It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is September 11th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll begin our Player Outlook series as we take a look at Terrence Ross and what he will bring to the Orlando Magic coming up in the 2020 season after a career year in 2019. We'll take a look at what to expect from him as we count down toward training camp here in a couple of weeks. And then, the reason why I didn't post this overnight, we're going to talk about France's upset win over the United States, how Evan Fournier took the lead took control, and helped deliver France a historic victory and send the United States to the fifth-place bracket against Serbia tomorrow. Lots of good stuff to get to here on today's episode. We'll get to it here in just a moment. But before we do, I want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast coming to Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you would find here on Locked On Magic with local experts who know their team the best. Talking about USA France, if you want to know more about Rudy Gobert versus Donovan Mitchell, both players, key figures in this game, check out Locked On Jazz. You can also check out Locked On NBA for a national perspective. They've been doing a lot of work on the FIBA World Cup as well. Plus, Locked On Fantasy Basketball will get you set for your fantasy basketball season. The NFL season is in full swing with week one taking place already. You can check out the great NFL podcast on the Locked On NFL Podcast Network, as well as Locked On NFL and Locked On Fantasy Football, plus MLB and college podcasts too. You can find them all on the Locked On Podcast Network. Download them wherever you download podcasts today by searching for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Also, a quick word from our pals Indochina, the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. That's Locked On at checkout at Indochino.com. 
This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I've been talking up this FIBA World Cup for a long time, and, and, and I think it's an important tournament, and it's been a really fun tournament, and it's disappointing that it hasn't really been on TV. Only, uh, only today's game against France was on ESPN2. Plus the semi, the plus the third place game in the final will be on ESPN two on Sunday. So American television has not done this tournament favors, but it has been a fun and exciting tournament, and it has been a really great showcase of basketball around the world. A lot of the attention has, perhaps somewhat rightfully, been on Team USA's kind of lackluster roster. Not to say that if the USA sent their A roster, even their B roster, I'd call this a B minus C plus roster. If they'd sent a better roster, it's not to say the U.S. would waltz to a victory either. But the team they sent had clear flaws that displayed themselves throughout the process. They didn't have any continuity. They were learning how to play together from the very start. And it was evident as we got deeper into this tournament, as they played teams like Australia, who is now in the semifinals after defeating the Czech Republic. Uh, After playing a team like Turkey, which was really disciplined and caught fire at the right time. It's still a tall task to beat this Team USA. But it was certainly doable. And Team USA learned that lesson crushingly against France because not only did they face a France team that certainly could beat the US, but they faced a France team that in many ways looked better than the United States in a whole lot of ways. This was a matchup that Team USA had to be dreading. Not dreading, but apprehensive about. Because France, like Australia, when they won't beat them, like Spain, who'd given them problems, like Serbia, who I picked to win the tournament, they, they lost to Argentina yesterday, so they'll be in the fifth-place game against the United States, or fifth-place bracket against the United States. France was the kind of team that would give the United States problems. And they certainly did. And it was Evan Fournier leading the charge offensively, at least. France defeated the United States 79 to 69, or 89 to 79. It was a shocking result just because it's the United States, and the United States does not lose basketball games at this level. But when you watch the game, it wasn't shocking. France had the clear matchup advantage inside with Rudy Gobert, and he dominated the inside. The U.S. really only gained traction when they were finally able to spread Gobert out, get him out of the paint, and allow Donovan Mitchell to attack the basket. 
and catch Gobert kind of rotating over late from, from a further distance. But Team USA always kind of struggled to shoot. They always didn't quite have that little bit, and they needed their defense to be really, really good. And it was there that Evan Fournier attacked. Evan Fournier scored 13 of his 22 points in the first half. He still had several key plays in the fourth quarter as France staked a little bit of lead in the first half. The U.S. came back in the third quarter behind Donovan Mitchell, and then France went on a crazy run to erase a seven-point deficit in the fourth quarter. A lot of that was Evan Fournier setting things up because Team USA knew they had to stop Evan Fournier. This has been the case throughout the tournament. Evan Fournier is leading France in scoring. He has been their go-to guy. They run their offense either through Fournier or Nando DiColo. And it's usually off pick and rolls with Rudy Gobert. And Fournier, by and large, has continually and consistently made good decisions. Playing patient, under control, but aggressive and attacking. You're not seeing the kind of the pauses and waiting beats for the defense to get set up. He is going after these opponents. And setting himself up to make shots and, and gain the confidence to hit some of the wilder shots that he tends to take. But they're going in, so you can't really complain. On one play in the fourth quarter, and I believe it gave France the lead, Evan Fournier was matched up with Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart does what Marcus Smart does. He poked the ball away from Fournier, but Fournier gathered it and immediately attacked him and got all the way to the basket for a left, I believe it was a left-handed layup. From there, you could see Fournier being able to pick apart the defense, showing that improved playmaking that he had from last year. On one instance, he came around a screen, got trapped, kind of got himself stuck on a drive and was still able to kind of pivot himself away from freedom, from, from pressure and feed Rudy Gobert for a dunk. On another, he got trapped on a pick and roll, fed it to Patum, who got it inside to Gobert rolling down the lane. And frankly, the U.S. had no size to answer Gobert. Their, their centers played only 15 minutes in this game. Mason Plumley played just one minute, 110 in the game. Uh, Brooke Lopez played just 431. Miles Turner played 1018. They combined for two points. Two points from the from the U.S. centers. The U.S. was going small, and France, for the most part, punished them for it. And it's not just that the U.S. was, was small on the interior. They were small on the perimeter, too, and it's been that way the entire tournament. So a guy like Evan Fournier, who's big for a two, he's a little bit of a tweener in that sense because he's not quite a three, but... Evan Fournier was able to see over the defenders, was able to get into the paint and showed really good strength and poise finishing around the basket or finishing with his mid-range game. It's been that way all tournament for Evan Fournier. And he has led this attack for France and he led the attack again for France, setting things up, maybe not getting the assist, but setting things up for them to get this upset win. Fournier very realistically could be on the all-tournament team. And now that France is in the semifinals and has a chance not only to clinch their spot in the Olympics next year, they will have to win the semifinal game to, to, be, to be sure that they will be in the Olympics. The top two European teams will be in the Olympics. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, they have, they have clinched their spot in the Olympics since Czech Republic lost to Australia. Spain, Spain and, and France will, it will get the automatic berth to the Olympics. 
So now they're just going for gold. And for France, that is a huge deal. This is a basketball-playing country. This is something they never even did when Tony Parker was there. They're kind of transitioning to the next generation of French players, and it's really promising to see, for them at least, really promising to see them playing at this high of a level. And to be sure, Evan Fournier has a big part to do with it. A big part. He has played superbly all tournament long. He has been France's best offensive player all tournament long. And he's doing a lot of things that the Magic will certainly ask him to do. Now, I'm not expecting Fournier to come back to Orlando, being put up 20 shots per game, score, you know, 20 points per game. I'm not expecting that. He'll probably still be a 14, 15 shot per game guy, so he'll need to make seven or eight, you know, average 16, 17 points per game. But if he does that more efficiently, the Magic will take a, will get a bit, pretty big boost. Fournier's still going to have to need screens to get himself free, but he's smart and knows how to attack pick and rolls really, really well. And I think we forget that because he struggled to shoot so much. And this playmaking that he added last year will be a big boost. But Evan Fournier continues to play at an exceptionally high level. And while there's a lot of reasons France is now in the semifinals and a lot of reasons the U.S. US lost this game, and I would say Rudy Gobert was a big piece of that puzzle because he just is a backstop for everything. He just sucks up so much attention. Evan Fournier is right in the mix. And Team USA lost because they were struggling to corral Evan Fournier. Just just think of that. Just think of that statement. France going up against Argentina will be another very difficult challenge. Argentina is a very disciplined team. They've got Luis Scola to to kind of man the middle so they won't have the same weaknesses. Uh, Facundo Campasso has been shooting incredibly this this tournament as well. France is no shoe-in just because they beat the U.S. to make the final. But they're in good shape. And they've got to be thinking that they can win this whole thing. And if they do, it'll be probably because Evan Fournier had another really, really good game. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. But let's turn our attention back to the Orlando Magic and back to the States. We are now officially three weeks away from training camp opening on October 1st. And so... As we now begin our final countdown toward the beginning of the 2020 season, we're going to begin looking uh, at individual players and what to expect from them as we get closer and closer to the season. And we're going to start today with a fan favorite, a guy that we all think we're pretty sure what we're going to get from him and what his role is going to be. 
And that will be, that is, and that is Terrence Ross. Last year at this time, when we were talking about Terrence Ross, I don't think we really knew what we had. I think when it came to Terrence Ross, part of the thought process was, this guy has worked really, really hard. We all liked what we saw from him in the short stint that he had with the Magic. He was struggling to shoot, but you could see good things there. And he was willing to sacrifice for his team. He volunteered to come off the bench initially, thinking that would be best for the team. And everyone appreciated that about him. But he didn't play. And so he was this great mystery. A potentially great shooter. A solid team defender. A missing piece that, you know, hurt the Magic. And in 2018, the Magic's fall started a little bit before Ross's departure. Or Ross's injury. But Ross's injury didn't help matters. And in fact, that's really when the season took a nosedive was after Ross got hurt. So maybe there was some proximate cause there and maybe people were thinking, you know, if we had Terrence Ross, the season would have been different. It's a lot of pressure to put on a guy, I think. But Ross, to his credit, began to endear himself to fans. His entire offseason was spent in Orlando, it seemed, working out and getting ready for the year. And the 2019 season was a career season for Terrence Ross. One that, in a world where things so often disappoint you, Ross seemed to exceed expectations. He averaged a career-high 15.1 points per game, shot a 53.4% effective field goal percentage, back a number that's back in line with his Toronto days, shot 38.3% from beyond the arc, on seven three-point attempts per game, the most he's ever shot in his career. Ross became a flamethrower, the human torch, in fact. Able to get hot in a hurry, able to make shots quickly and in succession. A guy who the Magic could insert into the lineup and immediately the whole temperature of the game changed. A guy that really for the first time, honestly, since Tracy McGrady was on the team, could drop, seemingly drop 30 points on at any moment. Could go on a scoring binge where he's making shots. I would describe him, honestly, as the Magic's best tough shot taker. And I would say he's probably the Magic's best tough shot taker since McGrady. Maybe maybe Hito Turkoglu's in there. Baby. Vince Carter sometimes was in there. I don't think he was consistent enough. But Terrence Ross would take some ridiculous shots. Had always the green light to fire. And had some incredibly big games. If the issue with Terrence Ross to this point in his career was that he was too inconsistent, that you never really knew what you were going to get from him on a night-to-night basis, if that was the criticism of Terrence Ross, for at least one year, he put all those to bed. For at least one year, he was someone the Magic could rely on night in and night out to provide a consistent scoring output and on some nights, do a lot more. It's it's funny, he scored that 50-point game in his second year, I believe, in the NBA, but he never had another 30-point game until this past season. Ross really found a home, and it made sense for him to sign a four-year, $54 million contract to stay in Orlando. 
Rust really did change games just by his presence. It started, honestly, with the Philadelphia game in November when the Magic made a comeback and hit a three-pointer in the dying moments from Terrence Ross to win the game. His first big shot in a Magic uniform. Or there's the game against Indiana in January, I believe. When the, with the Magic on the road and trailing, Terrence Ross must have scored 15, 16 points in the fourth quarter to spark the team. It wasn't even that he scored the points. It was just the energy he created by making shots sparked the team and got them the win. He did it again against Indiana later on in the month, I believe, in late January. There were so there was a game, the game against Utah, I believe, in Mexico City. Ross had a big fourth quarter. Him and Vucevic had a big fourth quarter to lead the Magic to that victory. There were a number of games where Ross almost literally saved it for them just by his ability to make tough shots, to get hot in a hurry, to be a microwave. And kind of put teams on their back foot to give the Magic renewed confidence. This is all the expectation now for Terrence Ross. This is what the Magic signed him to do, and he'll be the sixth man once again this year. Even if, say, Evan Fournier or Jonathan Isaac get hurt, I imagine they will still bring Ross off the bench. And despite not starting, and I know there's some people who would call for Ross to start, despite Ross not starting, he still finished games. So he's essentially a starter. He played 26 and a half minutes per game. Now, this is not to say Ross did not shoot himself out of games on occasion. That disappointing loss to the New York Knicks, Ross missed every shot he took, it seemed like. And the Magic needed him to catch fire because no one else was hitting shots either. When Ross is in the game, the Magic do run a lot of offense for him. He takes a lot of shots, 12.7 shots per game, seven of them from beyond the arc per game. And so Ross can go in and out. And that's really the narrative for Ross entering the 2020 season. To this point in Ross's career again, the question has been about consistency. Favorite story I've always heard about Terrence Ross is whenever someone asked Dwayne Casey when he was the coach of the Toronto Raptors about Ross and his 50-point game and his spurtability, Casey would always joke, he scored, he scored six the next game. It's actually 12. But, but the point was still valid. As much scoring potential as Ross has, the issue always seemed to be that he couldn't back it up that he couldn't do it again, that he couldn't do it night in and night out. And I would honestly say, last year, Ross was consistent for four out of every five nights. But as the cynics would say, in a contract year, of course he's going to be more focused and sharp. Coming off an injury where he had to kind of prove himself and prove his worth in a contract year especially, of course he's going to be motivated to play at a high level. And I'm not questioning Ross's motivation. I think the guy wants to play hard. I think the guy wants to be good. And he is good. But the question is always, whenever a player has a breakout season like this, can you do it again? So now the question about Ross isn't game-to-game consistency. It's season-to-season consistency. He's always been a 9, 10, 11-point-per-game guy throughout his career. Jumping up to 15 
is a big, big step. It's a big step. And it'll be another big step for him to take this year to do that again. Because yes, the Magic brought back much the same team. Which means, for a lot of players, there are similar expectations for roles and fit with the group. And as we all saw, going 42-40, and making the playoffs in the penultimate game, the margin for error is still very, very small. Like I said, Ross did change a lot of games on his own. If Ross plays like he did in 2018 for sure, or even if he plays as he did in 2017, the Magic probably don't win three or four games. Maybe five, maybe six. And that's the difference between making and missing the playoffs. It's not about game-winning shots. It's not about clutch shots. It's about those fourth quarter minutes, those early fourth quarter minutes, or the scoring binges that Ross went on. Orlando will need those again. And Ross has to provide them for this team to be successful. If Ross takes a step back, if Ross is back to being a 12-point-per-game guy, a 10-point-per-game guy, you know, shooting low 40%, but back to 35% from, from beyond the arc, or 36 37% even, that completely changes what the Magic's potential is. The Magic, in re-signing all their players, bet that they could all do it again. That the whole team can work and operate just as it did last year. That's the bet. And who knows if that bet is good. But part of that Part of that bet is Terrence Ross doing it again. As Terrence Ross being the same guy, the same spark, the same human torch that he was last year with the added expectations of this team and perhaps the added weight of saying just making the playoffs isn't enough anymore. They've got to do more. I don't think it's Ross's responsibility to do more. I don't think it's Ross's responsibility to become a 20-point-per-game guy or to win sixth man of the year. I honestly think it was ridiculous. He wasn't a finalist for sixth man of the year last year. He should be in that conversation again this year. That's certainly his goal. But they're not expecting Ross to take a more forward role than what he had last year. The expectation is Ross does what he did again. And if he can do that, the magic will be on their path. At 27 years old, 20 coming up on his age 28 season, he's at the peak of his career. So if if he were to plateau, if he were to kind of stay on this level, he would be providing plenty for the Magic, and it'd be plenty expected for him to do so. But that's what Ross is expected to do, is to be Terrence Ross. Once again, this lockdown podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today, though. I'll see you again next time. We'll review another player as we continue our player uh, outlook series heading into the 2020 season. But until then... For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.